0: You're listening to The Originators,
1: a 2FM collective podcast.
0: Hi, I'm Rick O'Shea and welcome to this episode of RTE 2FM's podcast series, Originators. Throughout the series, I'll be talking to Irish under 35s from sometimes wildly varying fields who've found success and finding out how it happened and who they really are. This episode was recorded upstairs in the Duke Pub, the starting point of the Dublin Literary Pub Crawl amongst its other claims to fame. Lisa McInerney was an award-winning blogger before becoming a Baileys Literary Prize award-winning author with her first novel, The Glorious Heresies. When I met her, I decided to start at the very beginning. Lisa, how are you? Hello. I'm going to scroll back a little bit, given that you and I have a slightly weird history in that, Do you really
1: want to tell people about Yeah,
0: and I think now is the time that it has to come out. We've kind of known each other online for, I was looking the other day, the bones of almost 10 years, Yeah. because I, many moons ago, used to run a, a, an online pop culture blog, um, which was a group blog, and lots of people used to, to write for, I wrote for, and loads of other people did, friends of mine, and you wrote a few things for, in fact, you wrote a regular column yeah. in which you kind of took a, cast a cold eye on popular culture, yeah. like, <laughs> I was looking at a few of them the other day at, like, at Danny Minogue and Cheryl Cole's face. Well. You were mean about celebrities a lot, <laughs> which was, you know, which was the, the, the charm of the column, frankly.
1: <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I was, I was still mean about celebrities actually quite often, you know.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's strange though the, in that then you and I only ever actually met each other l- like last year at Culture Night. See, in fact, this is only the third time we've ever met each other ever. I
1: know but isn't this the modern way though? You can actually know somebody online or you can, you can pretty much know them or it feels like you know them. And then when you meet them, there's no, I don't think there's any awkwardness or anything like that. Oh no, there's this is life. very awkward. Oh, are, oh! Well, I don't feel awkward. I'm sorry, you do. Is no, there any way I can? Would you like a tea? Or? I,
0: well, no, I have coffee here. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll have some in a minute. I'm, I'm intimidated by, by, and I think I want to apologise for. I, I think the first thing I said after I read your book, I think I berated you by saying, "What on earth were you doing, wasting all your bloody time blogging all these years when you could have been writing us novels?"
1: But you see, I was honing my craft.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I. I like the quote that you you, you said when you won, you won the Bailey's Women's Prize for Fiction, which is a very big deal um, for for people who maybe don't know that. I mean, it is, it's an enormous deal in in fiction in in the UK and Ireland. And you said, I'm so, so enormously proud the Glorious Heresies won the 2016 Bailey's Women's Prize for Fiction. I am also bloody stunned. Were you when you went on that night into that room with those people? Did you just go, I'm going to have to put my Oscar happy face for someone else on?
1: There is a video of the announcement or when it was announced they had cameras there so there's a video of it and if you saw my do you know when you you play a very high-pitched noise in front of a dog Mm -mm. and the dog kind of cocks his head (laughs) that was me and it was so you've just done it there it's really impressive it's it's i can't watch that back and my cousin's girlfriend says to me no no lisa you should look at it Look at it. And she keeps replaying it. I'm like, you're, you're an awful person. And I think the first thing I said when I went up there was, in true Paddy fashion, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. If I could go back now, I'd do the whole, oh, thank you very, very much for But did,
0: did you get, as, as I, I presume happens to people when they're in situations like that, the adrenaline rush that goes through you where literally you have no idea what's going to happen next?
1: Pretty much Pretty much it was. And also I remember because this was in June. So the room was roasting hot as well. And I remember thinking, I'm actually going to fall over. And it was, it was just, it was a mad experience. It really was. Oh God, trying to remember. Yeah, I was stunned anyways. <laughs> I'm still stunned. So it's all, it's all thanks to you, Rick.
0: This is a serious interview. This has to <laughs> oh, happen with a, with a straight face. Um, a straight face wh- Why do you think that you have been successful at this, this writing lark?
1: hmm isn't that a tough one because that's it's it's the irish definition of success i still don't feel very successful and i'm afraid to feel successful because if you feel successful and start saying well the reason i'm successful somebody comes along and goes how dare you have such notions about yourself so i don't know i mean it's it's, it's kind of one of these things I suppose the book was published, that was, that was a success in and of itself, but it's, it's another thing of those um, kind of overnight success things, it takes a long bloody time to get anywhere at anything really, and an awful lot of slogging away at things, and there was, as you say, the guts of 10 years online, just kind of learning how to be, I guess learning how to write to deadline and learning how to be funny. Yeah,
0: learning how to write day after day after yeah, day yeah, after day keep, sometimes.
1: Yeah, and these, these are all kind of, these are all very important skills. But yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't say I was successful, because my family would really try and make it their business to show me how unsuccessful I am. Actually, I
0: found something brilliant uh, today, actually, which I'd never <laughs> seen before, which I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen already, and which I think is the perfect example of, of our attitude to success as a nation um, from the Connacht tribute. Ooh. Which was they wrote? They wrote an article when you'd won the, the the Bailey's Prize, and it started with "Gorse author Lisa McInerney is in no danger of getting a swelled head," well, after winning blah blah blah. And then the article went on.
1: I want that on my headstone. In no danger sense. of getting a swelled. head. Was never in any danger of getting a swelled head. Was just the perfectly non-notions lady.
0: <laughs> I'm happy with that. I think I think that that represents you accurately.
1: Good, good, good. Worked very hard at that.
0: What? What do you? Could you not live without, outside of writing? What things in your life motivate you and, and and make you excited every day?
1: I am mad for music. I don't have a musical bone in my body, but I like to consume music a lot. So like I what? Really, I will listen to anything. And I know that sounds kind of very broad. But it does. I, I have this ridiculous thing where I, I, we were going through this the other day, myself and a friend and I like to make playlists. I like to make playlists for moods that I may not ever have. You know, if I was feeling rebellious, I have playlists of protest songs. And if I'm feeling kind of, it's a sunny day or, yeah, that's the one that never gets used in Ireland. But I have a playlist of my, the tracks I think are five star tracks. And I purposefully have not put any dance music in there or or any K-pop in there or any classical in there. So it's all just kind of, Regular rock and pop, etc.
0: Is there a reason why you're excluding those three perfectly fine genres?
1: Um, there's a reason because they don't kind of work in between kind of rock songs, Okay. I think. So what, think have, of the what have
0: you got in there? Then? Like, oh, g- just, give me even three or four songs that would definitely be in that playlist.
1: That playlist is like 900 songs long, mm-hmm. is what I mean. And then I've kind of filtered that down again to my very, very, very favourites. And there's 194 on that. And I, like, really, I'm thinking... Anything by Murder by Death, love Murder by Death. Mm-hmm. Everyone says Murder by Death. They they sound like some sort of goth metal. No, no, they're they're actually Americana. Mm-hmm. Uh, minus the Bear, Portugal the Man. These all sound like just random <laughs> noises that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> they are
0: fantastic band names.
1: <laughs> they fantastic. are. Um, villagers, like, but there's yeah. I threw in an Irish one. Um, funeral suits, Sarah Sleen. Oh God, I love her. I'll go on and on. Imogen Heap. Mm-hmm. Oh, I used to love Marina and the Diamonds. Kind of gone off for a bit.
0: Okay, after the second album. Yes. Yeah.
1: Not even after, at the second at the album. Second album. Like, what smack you doing, bang on the woman? moment of
0: the second album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, you also, and this is wonderful when I found this out because I didn't know it about you, and why do I presume these two things are mutually exclusive? Video games.
1: Yes. Video games. How
0: serious a gamer are you? Is it just one? What do you, what, what's your See, relationship with I think with the,
1: that? the name or the term gamer has been kind of soured in recent years, hasn't it? With gamer gate, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I don't want to call myself a gamer. Also, when you call yourself a gamer, then automatically people try to prove you're not a gamer or then we have rankings of gamers. Yeah, well, I bet you're, never, you're no good at Call of Duty. Well, no, mm-hmm. I'm not, because I don't play it. But yeah, I love, I love my video games. Um, at the moment, I'm playing Final Fantasy 15, and when I say playing, is mostly shouting at it, because of, like, I, I like Final Fantasy games. I've loved them for a long time, and this is just probably the one with the worst female characters I've ever come across. And I just finished Dishonored 2, and I really love that. Yeah, it, for me, this is the, the relaxation. Because reading feels like work. And I do and I read a lot, but reading for me there's a kind of a level of stress in it mm-hmm. almost. Because if I'm reading something that's really brilliant, I get depressed. I'm like, Why? Why does this person they're so much better than me? And if I read something that doesn't come up to my standards, I'm like, Oh, I could do it better. I could do better than that and I get and I get stressed and upset again, so Short reading is very fraught with danger for me. H-
0: have you ever come across something and read it and gone, that's it, game over, forget it, I can't, I can't even look at a, a computer again, that's it?
1: No. God, do you think there's one out there that might do that? Because that would be alarming. No, I don't think, I don't think so. Now I'm getting, kind of getting nervous now.
0: <laughs> Just I'm in all. case you accidentally read that book.
1: It's, yeah, that's the, but I mean, no, because any story that you have in your head that you want to write down. That's your story. Nobody else is going to have that story. Nobody else is going to write it. If you don't write it, it may not ever be, I'll, I'll never be as good or as, as big, have a, as big a cultural impact as Hubert Selby Jr. is my, one of my favorite writers ever. That doesn't mean I can't tell the little stories I have in my head because he's dead. He's not going to tell them. <laughs> you know?
0: I saw you referencing at one stage about running that you 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 run every now and then and it kind of it, you find it helpful. And there are lots of authors that, that I know who I've talked to um, who who feel the same thing I, we both know Arlene Hunt and, yes. and Donald Ryan said he does the same thing on, th- one of the most astonishing things I, he said in an interview that I did with him when I was asking him about where he gets inspiration was he said I'm just running on the way into work and then I'll stop for a bit and I'll take a note in my phone stick it back in my pocket and I'll run a bit more which for most people they don't ever think authors work that way
1: I cannot work that way and I'm quite jealous of it because I, I had this conversation I think with Arlene before and she, she was talking about that kind of inspiration whilst running all I think about when I'm running is that I don't want to be running anymore. That's it, I'm like, oh, I want, I want to end this, I really. So every, like I always go out there with this great idea that I'm going to work through a conversation or that I'm going to imagine something or, or uh, some problem in the text will be solved. The whole time I'm just running my little 5K going, I hate this, bloody hate this, can't <laughs> wait to get home, have coffee, Ugh. So, um, but that hasn't stopped me trying to run. <laughs> Not very good runner, I'm trying to run and trying to come up with ideas whilst running. No, I think all my ideas come from looking out the window. So when people say to me, Lord Lisa, look at you there doing nothing. You're so lazy. I'm like, excuse me, I'm coming up with wonderful ideas staring out the window here. Seriously.
0: I'm creating gold dust, that's what I'm that's doing.
1: <laughs> that's beautiful.
0: Um tell me about money. That's a terrible Irish question to ask anybody who's Irish because you're not gonna ask it is is two questions I suppose. Is is financial success important to you in terms of your writing and maybe what do you think about what donald ryan said recently in the newspapers about Mm -hmm. essentially having to go back to his his Mm -hmm. day job because he was making the equivalent of 40 cent for 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 every book that he sold
1: yeah well finances are massively important anyone who kind of says i'm writing just for the art i mean that's great it must be wonderful to have moneyed parents or whatever is allowing you to do that but the rest of us have to live at the same time as working and I it's very very hard to be a starving artist this idea this it's very romantic this idea of the starving artist but also you get no ideas because you're starving so you really need to make a living out of it and it is it is difficult you know and I think what Donald was saying was fantastic and he was saying it in such a sensible way and I think he was basically saying I'm grand now but I'm trying to play the long game and I'm trying to have some security for my family. And so I'm going to go back to a job I love and write as well. I mean, what's wrong with that? That's fantastic. And he's dead right too and kind of pointing out, I mean, Donald Ryan is, is one of our great writers, one of our current great writers. He's doing incredibly well. Everybody knows Donald Ryan. Everybody loves Donald Ryan. And he's still pointing out that even for him, it's difficult. People need to be told this, I think. And I think there's a little bit, this kind of wrecks my head a bit. I was thinking about it on the way to Dublin today, actually. This is, you know, this kind of wrecks my head a bit, that the idea that, because he got a little bit of flack online from various commenters, and it wrecks my head. Because of the idea, I think, that writers are doing something that's something anyone can do, do you know? So that I want to be a writer or people who assume that they would be writers too if they had the time and all this kind of stuff. Or if they could be bothered. (sighs) And then you got this devaluing of of what it is writers do. And I think that's ridiculous. It's not an easy, it's not an easy job. It's a very bloody hard job. And if you're as good at it as Donald Ryan is, God, they should be showering him with gold coins. And this has been in my head for a little while as well, because I'll tell you a story. I was published in Spain there just before Christmas. So I went over to, to Madrid and my lovely Spanish editor brought me to Museo del Prado. So we were walking around, and I was looking at all these paintings, was all these Goyas and, and Hieronymus Bosch, and just amazed. You never feel as culturally impoverished like, as you could in, in this enormous, gallery of fantastic art i had the same
0: experience in the same gallery going we have nothing like this at home <laughs> this is, do we no this
1: is what i was saying so i said this to, to fernando i went like oh my god we have nothing like this in ireland that feels so culturally impoverished and he said what are you talking about ireland has the writers we all we all look to ireland for writing we all think you're wonderful at the writing so i mean if that's so important to ireland's cultural identity you know i mean look after your writers a bit better that's that's what I think. Anyway, I've been thinking about that. That's been stewing a while. Yeah.
0: Who, who's the person who's influenced you the most?
1: Ooh, um, I am going to say in terms of writing. So I'm going to go with another writer and I'm going to go with Melvin Burgess, who is a YA writer. So you may or may not know. Carnegie medal winner. Mm-hmm. And he has a very famous novel called Junk. And I read Junk when I was a teenager and the book is about two teenagers who run away and they fall into this lifestyle of doing heroin and you know, it's very, it's very miserable. It's exactly my kind of book, you know. <laughs> so I read this book and my mind was just blown wide open. And before that, it was all the way I used to write, because I, I always wrote, I always had something on the go as a kid even, and even I can see the way my little stories changed drastically from when before, pre-Melvin and post-Melvin. You
0: took a sharp left-hand turn at that point.
1: I did, I did. And, and yeah, and it's still there. I still I think that's a fantastic book. I think everyone should read it. You know, he was kind of pre, pre-Irvin Welsh for me. You know, you move from Melvin Burgess to Irvin Welsh, I think.
0: Okay. What happened, although I did see you react online at the time, but obviously I didn't actually get to talk to you about it, the day that Sarah Jessica Parker... Instagrammed the cover of your book and said essentially that you were the greatest Irish writer since Van O'Brien. <laughs> did she?
1: Say, I, oh my! I got a message from somebody said, "Oh my God, did you see Sarah Jessica Parker on Instagram?" And I had to kind of go, "No, no, I don't. I, I don't follow her, and it, should should I follow her on Instagram?" And um, she did up this thing, like everybody went crazy, that she had like people emailing me. There was there was um. Journalists seem are getting onto me afterwards, saying, "Have you any? Would you have a reaction to this?" Like, no, not not particularly, because I don't think one reader is better than another reader. It's kind of a strange, strange thing. But she is, she's getting her own. Or I don't know, has she got it, or has she started, it or she has her own imprint? Like she is a really superb reader. This, she really knows her stuff. And, um, yeah, she's she's really good with literature, which is these things it, you don't it, expect, you think she'd just be Instagramming shoes, but that's not true. And
0: now that in and of itself is a terrible preconception to have that the only thing it she's is. interested in is Jimmy Choo's and Malona Blanix.
1: Because that's her character, not her.
0: It is not her. <laughs> is it strange to have then, you know, your book that you started off and that you'd be was this thing you were tinkering with and messing yeah. about with that all of a sudden you have, you know, showbiz lights shining down on it that, 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 that's surreal
1: it is surreal it's, it's so surreal that it's really hard to kind of form any reaction to it because you're like what what is this and then i think a few days after that graham norton tweeted that he liked it mm. and i was like oh and he was in father ted she was never in <laughs> father ted
0: is that that's far more important <laughs>
1: like, okay. like, graham is a national treasure yeah you know she's only eblowing
0: why, given that the new book is, is just almost out and being thrown into the real world, why delve back into the same universe of people? I mean, it's, it's not a straight sequel, but why, mm. why go back to the well again?
1: I always had this idea in my head that there was going to be a, a loose trilogy in the same way of, that Roddy Doyle had his loose Barrytown trilogy where you wouldn't have had to have read one book to, have, to get joy from the second. And I always kind of wanted to do that. I feel like the characters have a lot to... They had a lot left to give. Really, but I mean, the idea for the second book, which is the Blood Miracles, the idea for that was actually predates the Gloria So this this is the novel I've had in my head for, oh God, a long time, a long long time. Glorious Heresies was kind of written, I think, all, in order to cushion that one. Really, if that makes any sense. You're narrowing your eyes at me there. No, inter- <laughs>
0: are you suggesting that it's more, it's more hard going? That it's more, it's a more.
1: I don't know. I fin- I finished it. I finished writing it, edited it, sent it out into the world. I was thinking about it a few couple of, about a week ago, and I went, oh, I think I've inadvertently written a thriller. <laughs> I don't know if it's more hard going. Is that a dirty word? It's very plotty. Um, you see, this is the thing, and this is another thing that I have in my head. If you've, won, if you've done well, like I did not expect to do well with The Glorious Hours. I did, did not expect it to take off the way it did at all. And for that to have won literary prizes, suddenly everything changes in your head. You're like, oh, sugar, am I supposed to be this literary author now? Am I, am I supposed to be worthy? Yeah, you so have you a start, literary hat on. Yeah, so you yeah. start kind of almost beating yourself up about it, which is ridiculous because I, I like a novel with a story in it. I don't necessarily just like novels that kind of ramble on and don't go anywhere, but are beautifully written. Mm. Do you know? So, I mean, why? But then you start doubting yourself. Isn't it a strange thing? A little bit of success can actually warp you rather than, you know.
0: So how did it make you feel then when um, Sebastian Barry won the Costa Prize and was then on Morning Ireland referencing new Irish writers that he thought were brilliant and and mentioned you?
1: (laughs) That was my little squeeze sound.
0: (laughs) I made a little squeeze sound and I was in the car in traffic.
1: (laughs) I made one on your behalf. Thank you very much. I didn't hear it. I think I was in London. But, you know, I mean, I'm not actually surprised. Well, I'm surprised it was me. But I mean, when we're talking about new Irish writing, God, there's so much of it. And it's so good. It's so, so good. It's wonderful to be part of it.
0: Do you have any theories as to why? Because it is, there does seem yes, to be. Yes, I do. The, I thought you <laughs> might, and that's why I asked the question. Because there does seem to be in the last, what? Well, th- certainly in the last two years, three years, mm. four years, this huge wave of really good, first-time Irish authors that, that are putting books out?
1: I don't think it, it's something that has happened in a vacuum, simply put. I think there are a lot of brilliant supports out there for writers now. And I don't necessarily just mean the Arts Council or anything like that, even though that's fantastic. I also mean things like there's a lot of literary magazines, literary journals. There are independent publishers that are you know constantly looking for new voices. These, this kind of all leads to the feeling in Ireland that if you write something, you will find readers. And that in itself kind of creates confidence. The other thing too, and I think, I don't know if the Irish writers realize this about themselves, but they should. They're very supportive, really, really, really supportive to the extent that in some other countries, people are surprised that the Irish writers are so nice to each other and that they so, there's no competition really. I think that's fantastic too. I mean, even when, when before The Glorious Herces was published, you know, we're People were starting to say nice things. I had wonderful support from, from really established writers, People like, you know, Joseph O'Connor, Kevin Barry, Belinda McKeon, You know, I mean, people have just been fantastic. This is the reason, I think.
0: Have you ever thought about being a screenwriter?
1: I am actually, at the moment, um, working on the, the pilot episode for the option for The Glorious Heresies. For television. You're
0: being very cautious in your language. I'm
1: very, very, well, I have to be very cautious because, you know, television is, is one of these things where something could happen or something may not happen. Sure. So, Whereas my grandmother, I think, believes it's going to be on after the late late or something. <laughs> She's like, when will that start? I like, probably, I don't know, Mammy. But, um, no, it's it's, it's a very because the
0: glorious heresies. I mean, even just in a, as a reader, as a reader reading it in the first place, it does play out very cinematically. It lends itself to to that kind yeah, of adaptation.
1: I do. I do think it's quite a visual story, or kind of when I was writing it, I could kind of see it as I was writing it. It's kind of how I write to it. Kind of put myself in the middle of a room and kind of look around, fill it in. Um, but yeah, writing screenwriting, it's it's an interesting process. It's a massive, massive. You know, you have to change the way you go about it, the way you go about writing the scene, the way you go about dealing with certain things to suit the medium. It's a completely different way of doing it.
0: Whereas people just presume you cut out all the explanationy bits and just leave the dialogue in. <laughs> just,
1: oh God, I wish. Maybe I could have done that. I should have tried. <laughs> Maybe that's the way it goes. <laughs>
0: have you been making things more complicated for yourself that's than it needs be to be? That
1: could too, Jesus. <laughs> well done, me.
0: Tell me, I hear a uh, uh, truth that you don't really use uh, phones very often and you're very you, you really hate talking to people and you don't remember the last time you left a voicemail
1: no i i terrified of phones i like my phone rings i do that whole thing where i go "Ah," and throw it across the room you know like what is that and there's you know the unknown caller i'm like well that's that's the grandmother anyway but everybody else or the revenue what oh no no um i don't have a phone mr revenue man no um even if some if a friend rings i'm like why why is this person ringing me don't they know how to use text
0: and in the grand traditions of this, uh, unfortunately, I have to finish because we could keep rattling on like this for ages. But Aww. here you are and you're you're 35, you're one incredibly successful novel down second, soon to be incredibly successful novel happening, writing a TV series <coughs> that let's all continue to touch wood and see what happens. What, what's... What's what's next now? Because you're now in the process of tonight. We're sitting here in the in the Duke Pub in in Dublin, where this big lunch your publisher is here, and there's a whole bunch of people that are, your publisher are mm. involved with, and, and your book is part of this. So, are you writing something else now, or do you have, you know, three weeks where you can go, or what happens oh, next? I
1: have a load of traveling to do, and I say that like it's a bad thing. Actually, traveling is great. I've got i lo- I've got a load of traveling to do. I've actually got a few places to go over the next couple of months. Promoting I- the book. Well, kind of various little arty things and um, promoting Irish writing or promoting the book or whatever. So I think after that, I'm really going to have to probably sit down and, and, and start the third novel. This is a bit where it's actually terrifying. You know, the blank page and kind of I have a vague idea of what I want to do. Oh, God, that's frightening now.
0: You you do seem like you're getting a cramp in your stomach just thinking about
1: it. <laughs> it's work. It's a work thing. Uh, I don't know. It'll, it'll be great. It'll be great.
0: It's been brilliant talking to you in reality, as opposed to
1: online and definitely not on the phone. (laughs)
0: Lisa, thank you. Thank (laughs) you. This episode was produced by Alice O'Sullivan, who's also the series producer. I'm Rick O'Shea. Thanks for downloading Originators. You'll find details about this and all the rest of the episodes in the series on the RTE 2FM website at 2fm.ie slash The Collective.
1: The Collective. 2FM.